This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Take two. Take two, 24 hours later, we're giving it a second go. Because last night we went to record, traditionally as we do on a Monday night, our episode of Tofop. And, well, it's very unusual for this podcast, Charlie, after 10 years mm. that we might experience some technical difficulties. But last night, we experienced te- technical difficulties that were beyond even our control. They weren't our technical difficulties. I did not know that at the start. It took me a lot of turning things on and turning things off and making sure that I wasn't at fault in the system to finally realise that the internet was out at my house from the minute we started recording till about six o'clock this morning. Now, I've been thinking about this because it was quite a mysterious outage. Um, I've got to say, though, you should rest assured that the moment your internet froze, it was a particularly flattering moment. You look relaxed, you were smiling, to the point that I was doing a, an ad read on the other end and I just thought, oh, Will is paying a like, really attentive. This is, this is what you want in a podcast partner. You're making eye contact, you're smiling. I felt very encouraged. I was active I listening. The... I was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I was preserved forever in active listening. If what had happened was that I'd actually passed away in that moment, I would like that mm. to be the giant blown up photo that you had on some sort of stand at my funeral. Yeah. I'd like to think if you died in that moment, when you go to hell you'd be stuck in that ad read for eternity. Just sitting, just an endless, perpet, in, perpet, in, per, in perpetuity ad read by me. You just have to sit there and listen to it for the rest of eternity. Or perhaps I would be stuck in that face. So I would be me. I would have my consciousness. Oh. But I would be stuck in this active listening face. And then I would have to, in hell, be the person that all history's worst people like told all their worst stories to because they thought I was a real good listener. And then you could become like the boogeyman, like you would appear as an apparition, like in a darkened bedroom as a child is trying to sleep. They'd just see the grinning man in the corner. That's what you'd be known as, the grinning man. He just, he just seemed to be listening really attentively. <laughs> the listener. <laughs> I like the idea that I would it? essentially start my own version of philosophy, but in hell. I mean, it'd be a different... <laughs> <laughs> so Hitler, what's your philosophy? What was your... Oh yeah, no, that checks out. What about you, Well, Stalin? I wrote a book called Mein Kampf. Uh, it outlines a lot of my ideas. Uh, in fact, I would have, by the way, would have done that research. That, mate, I did the plugs at the start. Don't worry. I gave Mein Kampf a plug at the start. That's what I do. I record the introduction before we get to the episode, <laughs> mate. I've already given Mein Kampf a good fucking plug, and you can plug it again at the end. You can fucking you can put your Twitter handle out there, at, at Adolf69. <laughs> do you think that maybe we could do a... Uh, like a, a futuristic Batman in which that is the Joker's origin rather than like, you know, he fell into a vat of acid or whatever, or his mouth got cut open. He was doing a podcast and through some technological glitch, like listening to the podcast had fried a circuit in his brain, which 
had him in a perfect, just a permanent grin. Make it like a comment on technology. Well, see, I thought you were going a different direction with that. I thought you were going to say, could we make the Joker's origin story Hitler's origin story? So the Joker's oh, yeah. like this, like, you know, failed painter, vegetarian. Suddenly, suddenly Batman's like, I'm going to do something about this guy. I feel like he's killed six million Gothamites. Well, that kind of is the Joker's origin. Well, at least in that um, Joaquin Phoenix and, and the killing joke. It's like he's a, he's a failed comedian. So there is that kind of sense of, you know, he's an artist who wanted to sort of like engage with the beauty of life. But the irony being that, you know, the things that he was trying to do make people laugh actually had tragic origins or tragic outcomes. Well, what if, okay, well, I'm a stand-up comedian or I was previous to global pandemic. <laughs> I am currently an, on a hiatus stand-up comedian. But you I were a stand-up to... comedian, now you're a sit-down podcaster. <laughs> so I was a stand-up comedian, and then we've realised that things like stand-up comedy have had disastrous consequences. So the Joker wasn't far wrong. What would be my mm. equivalent of needing to get on, like if I'm in Australia and I suddenly need to get on some Tonight Show, what's the equivalent of that Tonight Show in the Joker universe? In Australia or like the world? In Australia. So if I just like... Suddenly, I have to get my message to the masses. What show do I need to appear on? I mean, I am not someone who consumes a lot of free-to-air media. But I, from what I read on Twitter, it seems that the stuff, the appearances that get the most attention are either The Project or The ABC. It's either Q&A, because, you know, that, that, that the Q&A hashtag always goes around on a on Monday night. Or it's uh, The Project. Like, Walid Ali asks you a particularly probing question and re your reaction <laughs> is what gets you retweeted. Well, maybe that's the thing. I suddenly, uh, I suddenly need to um, appear on a bunch of media. You know, I suddenly, you know, I, I, people think I'm doing publicity for Gruen, but mm. what I'm actually doing is launching my Joker-style manifesto about how society should operate. Right. So I do the project. I do uh, Q and A, and I do Celebrity Family Feud. <laughs> Well, what's the big, what's the most popular show on TV? Is, is I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. The Masked Singer is pretty big, right? Maybe it's The Masked Singer because that makes okay, the, yeah. it's a much more dramatic reveal of your manifesto. It's like, what's that sexy lobster got to say? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I haven't seen The Masked Singer, but I assume from the posters and stuff, there's a sexy lobster, right? Or something? Why does that sexy lobster keep talking about exterminating the other... <laughs> masks that are inferior masks to the lobster masks and then finish every song by raising his hand in the hair and yelling out <laughs> hail hitler what's going on with that sexy lobster like don't get me wrong i love lobster and i love sexy things but it's a lot of really weird sayings coming out of this lobster i guess whatever whatever talk show it is it's it's one that's going to get more of a life on twitter on through the retweets mm. i guess so uh, that's probably where the infamy would start or the, the message would spread online. That's how it's getting spread now. 4chan would just go bananas for the sexy lobster. Oh, okay. You know what it's got to be then? It's got to be some sort of like 60 minutes profile piece or something like that. The, the, the sexy lobster, lobster speaks out. <laughs> you know, it's a sit down, finally a 40 minute sit down with the sexy lobster about all the things that the sexy lobster believes. It's me and Carl Stefanovic, but in... Like a lobster cage, like in the water, like they, the tanks they have at Chinese restaurants. And we're both just bobbing around in this giant lobster tank doing this interview. And I'm like in a sexy bikini or something. 
Yeah, and there should be instead of a fireside chat, it should be like a pool toy fireside, like a with cellophane or something that you can just have in the background behind you. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's some. It's just like a, a an old torch with some cellophane yeah. around it. Uh, so speaking of free to air television, mm. that's what I was uh, forced to do after we didn't do our podcast last night because mm. I was home by myself because Amy was helping out uh, with a. A friend of ours has a three-year-old and it was his birthday party today. So they were doing some night before preparations, trying to get everything ready for a three-year-old's birthday party. And uh, so I was home alone. No internet. The entire internet is down, which means that most of the things that I watch on television are also down. And I could have, I guess, like read a book or something. But I decided that that wasn't really the mood I was in after, you know, aborted attempts at trying to get all the technology going. So I thought, you know what? Free-to-air television it is. I'm going to flick through the free-to-air television and I'm going to see what is on free-to-air television. And what I discovered was on free-to-air television, Charlie, is out-of-order episodes of Law & Order. That's what's (laughs) on free-to-air television. Part two of a two-parter that they didn't show part one of, at least in the couple of hours that I watched it. Now, I am so out of touch with free-to-air, even digital, because I've had like Foxtel forever. So I use that as my, like, you know, my digital... A set-top box so i'm not really familiar with the free digital channels that like channel 10 and channel 9 all those like all the commercial channels have so when you're saying that you're watching free to air it was like the the flagship channels and then all the digital versions yeah so they have all the spin-off channels right. so not just your sort of like five key members mm. like this is this is you know the being characters <laughs> yeah this is your ant-man <laughs> i mean it's okay it's not the big guy but you'll still watch it you know what I like? I like a seven, mate. I, I watch seven, mate, a lot because that's what they show the AFL footy on up here. So the TV normally goes on to seven, mate, straight away. And what I've realised about seven, mate, is that predominantly when it's not showing AFL football from the advertisements I see between the AFL football, it is 90% shows about men digging things yep. up or blowing things up. Yeah, It's like, have you got a thing that you want to smash? We'll 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 dig something out of the ground and then we'll turn it into a thing and then we'll smash that thing and bury it back in the ground. I'm a man. What I love about Seven Mate uh, is the way that that same attitude and indeed probably voiceover is applied to every genre of show. So it's like, you want a reality show? We've got two blokes in a ute who are just going to spin up mud with their wheels for half an hour. But if you want to <laughs> laugh, we've got a show about a guy who gets hit in the nuts all the time. <laughs> you know, it's just like no matter what it is. You like political discussions? We've got two politicians who are going to have a bare knuckle brawl and then shit in each other's faces. Seven, mate. Seven, mate. Yeah. No matter what genre, it just gets crammed into that stereotype. It's so true, though. So I did not watch anything on Seven, mate. There wasn't anything that I wanted on Seven, mate. I flicked around for a while, uh, got to a, a station that predominantly seems to show Gordon Ramsay shows. Well, that's and that's that's good areas, but problem was they were all things that i'd seen before and so immediately went to a, a kitchen nightmares i'd seen before and then i fl- checked back in later there was a hotel hell that i'd seen before no good for me i needed to go and well find something that i thought that i'd seen every episode of law and order mm. or at least as you used to you know i used to jog to episodes of law and order and just <laughs> listen to the soundtrack the original pod that was the original podcast the original true crime podcast for you was law and order it was a fake just listening to law and order without (laughs) actually watching the pictures and i think last night i must have discovered a couple of episodes that i only ever listened to 
So for the very first time, like listening to The Life of Brian uh. on an album and then finally getting to see The Life of Brian, I had that experience with a couple of out-of-order Law & Order episodes. Yeah, right. It's a bit like when people uh, listen to a podcast and then they see one of our faces on screen. They're like, oh, that's not what I was expecting that character to sound like. Well, one of them had, who's the dude who's the Flash in the modern day, um, in the movie universe? Ah, uh, uh, I don't like that dude, yeah. It's a bloody uh, knockoff Tom Holland, knockoff Spider-Man. Um, so, Flash... Ezra, Ezra, Ezra Blinks, Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. So, one of the episodes starred an extremely young Ezra Miller. And yeah. then the second episode I watched starred an Australian actor. See if you can guess which Australian actor was in an episode, was the key special guest in an episode of mm. Law & Order SVU. I'll give you, it's Law & okay. Order SVU. Can I request two hints? One being yep. the year or, you know, the roundabouts when it was, and the other being the character. Tell me what the character's like and what year it was made. I'll give you, I don't know the year. I, I, I could not even guess at what fucking year Could you guess? Is. No? Not no. Right. Because, well, this show's right. been on for like 15 years. It is one mm. of the episodes from a 10-year block. I could not tell you. I would say earlier okay. on, but um, here's what I was saying. Well, okay. How, well, how about this? Just a follow-up question. Question without notice. <laughs> um, would you say that the appearance of said celebrity was at the is is a is as high as their fame has gone, like globally? Like, you know, maybe high for Australian, but they have a bigger career back here? Or is it... They went on to do bigger things. They did bigger things, but they were never a household name actor, but they were an actor who had an incredibly good American career. That might be too okay, much information. That's narrowing it down a fair bit. But um, they okay. were playing a judge. The character. So, right. Uh, do you want to have any guesses just based on the fact they were playing a judge? Australian actor had a good acting career in the US, um, but not a household name. My first uh, guess from an actor who normally, because whenever he's in an American show, he always plays like an admiral or a lawyer or a CEO would be Alan Dale, Jim Robinson from Neighbours. You need no further clues. <laughs> it was absolutely 100% Alan Dale. <laughs> well done, sir. <laughs> it's true though. He is our, like, I don't know, what, like not a Clint Eastwood, but he's our, he's our Jimmy Stewart or he's our Cary Grant. He always plays that, that sort of like big, strong, uh, a father figure character. He's even a father figure for when he was Jim Robinson. He, I do a podcast called Dad Bug with Osher Ginsberg, and we always induct like a fictional dad to the Hall of Fame. And I always said that Dan Connor from Roseanne was like, you know, he was TV's dad. He was the dad that you wanted your dad to be, masculine but funny and all that kind of stuff. But when I think about it, Jim Robinson watching Neighbours, he was a huge kind of like dad for a lot of young Australians, I reckon, because he was that similar kind of dad. He was a blue-collar dad, but he loved his kids, dependable. He was on at on at 6 p.m. every night. You could watch a line him when your real dad wasn't home at 6 p.m. <laughs> Am I revealing too much think... information here? I hugged my TV once, Will. <laughs> I asked it to read me a story. <laughs> I knew Alan Dale because Alan Dale was my father for four years. Well, Four years, Will. I called him Alan Daddy. Alan Daddy. <laughs> well, Alan Dale actually uh, lived in the same neighbourhood as me. I would see him often at Franklin's, the discount Aaronsburg. supermarket, uh, with his wife, who I believe was a newsreader. And I remember walking through with my dad, my actual dad, my bloody dad, who wasn't Alan Dale. And uh, I said, oh, that's, you know, Jim Robinson or Mr. Robinson from Neighbours. And my dad stopped and stared. And then I got embarrassed because he was, wasn't being subtle about it. And I was like, Dad, don't look at him. 
And he said very loudly, he's just a bloody actor. It's not like he's anyone important. It's not like he's a bloody admiral or a president or a judge. Actually, Dad, I hate to correct you, but I've been to the future and he's got that trifecta. So Alan Dale, he played a character who, um, a judge who was exhibiting some erratic behaviour. And the reason he was doing that was that he had had his own son uh, abducted when he was a child and he thought murdered. And he sent in Elliot Stabler, who's like the kind of the cop who's not afraid to, you know, break a few rules if it's going to lead to a conviction of a terrible person. And he sent him into prison to kind of shake down this murderer to find out where the bones of his child were born. But in a convenient plot twist for Law and Order, he was also presiding over a trial where it turned out that the defendant in the trial was, in fact, his son. So his son hadn't been murdered. His son had oh. was still alive and had had this terrible life where he'd been like abused and stuff and that had led to him becoming a criminal in his own right and doing some terrible things. And so Alan Dale had to uh, preside over this. He got he got this detective to go and shake down this old criminal to say, where are my son's bones? And then luckily he his son was actually in his courtroom being tried by him, Alan Dale. How, how was that revealed? Uh, he revealed it. He he noted because he, the, the son, son said something in his testimony that was something that he used to say to his son when he was like a little kid. But like I think three or four in the timeline they were going with. So the the premise was that this kid had remembered something from when he was three and four from his real dad, brought it out conveniently in the trial where his real dad was presiding over the trial, and that was the kind of big moment in this episode what can what was the content of what his father said was it like a thing that his dad always said or was it a specific reference to something like how i mean how specific was it for alan dale to immediately go brothers and sisters i have none that defendant is my son Um, I, it was a, I think it was a famous quotation. So it was the equivalent of like some philosophical version. It was like some philosophical or historical sort of quote, but it was just the equivalent of like, if in the middle of his testimony, he said, um, yes, I stalked that woman. But as my dad always said, life is like a box of chocolates. And he was just like, hang on. Yeah, right. Jenny. Yes, I was stalking that woman, but as my father used to say to me, be like Alf and think that there's no problem. <laughs> there, was, there was a moment where he was in the witness box and just said, what you talking about, Will? And I thought, hang on. Um. It's funny that you should talk about uh, you made the decision to watch TV instead of read a book because I've made a conscious decision in the last couple of months to not uh, try and not take my phone to bed or my iPad or any internet. I, I want to sort of um, I just switch off before I go to sleep. And so I got myself a Kindle because I, uh, I like to read, but I like to read at night. That's where I feel you know most relaxed and comfortable reading. But it's hard to read when you've got someone in bed because you've got a light on and stuff. And I've experimented with those little itty-bitty lights. But I finally decided to get a Kindle. And it is the best thing I've ever bought. Like I'm having so much fun reading again. I've just totally forgotten how much I loved it. And so I just, I've, I've been plowing through a few books, but I started reading this, uh, I just Googled recommendations for science fiction novels. And so I downloaded this 
science fiction novel called Semiosis, which is a, a novel about a bunch of kind of colonists who uh, are settling a planet that's just like Earth, but, you know, fractionally different. So it's sort of written from the account of a botanist about, you know, the very early days of landing on this planet and all this kind of stuff. It's really good. It's a bit like The Martian, sort of okay. very technically minded. But last night I was reading this, this paragraph and just, I was going to read it to you and then we can discuss. So this is just the, the botanist talking about, you know, initial days on the planet. So he says, the gravity, one fifth stronger than Earth's, caused misjudgments. When I left our landing module, I became dizzy and fell, twisting my ankle, but nothing worse. Although our bones had lost calcium and grown brittle during hibernation, breasts and scrotums weighed more and ached. Our hearts labored. So what he's trying to express there is that the gravity there is like a fifth stronger than on Earth. And so he talks about like the bones being brittle. And Do you think he needs the reference to the breast and the scrotum hanging heavier and aching? I mean, it's imagery. Like that's what I will say <laughs> is because I'd never really, of course, that breasts are affected by gravity. That is why they, you know, over a lifetime, you know, go from, like, you know, being upright to less upright. And we also know that the scrotum eventually over the uh, passage of time, you know, <laughs> much like <laughs> Larry Emder trying to give someone a clue on the price is right, goes lower, lower, <laughs> lower. But it had never occurred to me that the immediate impacts of a place where there was like a fifth of more gravity that that process would be suddenly like, oh my God, you know what? The, the, all the uh, machines have been knocked out in the explosion, but I can just tell from how low my balls are hanging that I reckon there's a <laughs> more gravity on this planet. My ball just knocked into you my think- kneecap and I <laughs> puts his finger in there, a fifth of more gravity. How are your boobs, Marge? Because I sort of read that line and it just really like, I had to go back and read it again. And for the last couple of days, I have not been able to shake that image of a bunch of like astronauts like shuffling across this alien. Let's get their balls <laughs> like one fifth heavier. And then I, I like, I think I ruined a little catch up with some friends, a little picnic yesterday at the beach because I brought the question up. I told them that what the passage had said. And then I asked the other guy who was there, my friend's husband, I was like, if your balls were a fifth heavier, do you think you would immediately notice that? Absolutely, 100%. A fifth heavier? Of course you would notice that immediately. But I, it entertains the idea that you could also go to a planet that was a fifth lighter. And then suddenly mm. it would feel like your balls were floating on a cloud. <laughs> You'd be like... <laughs> Mate... They are high and tight. I don't know what this planet is, but my nutsack has never felt more compact. <laughs> Your wife can throw away every wonder bra she has. She's not <laughs> going to need them. 5%, one-fifth lighter. I mean, if... but it, Look, maybe a biologist, one of our learned doctors wants to write in, but I would imagine... Wouldn't it be kind of relative to everything else feeling heavier? So I understand that it's a sensitive part of the body and you're going to feel the drag more, but... You're also going to feel the drag on your bones and your muscles and everything else is being pulling down. So, like, you've got all those pain receptors going off, all the receptors going off. Don't you think it would sort of mitigate the focus on the five one-fifth heavier nuts? No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is all. It would be the kind of free-hanging stuff that you would notice the most because it already has, like, 
your nose doesn't really droop as you get older. It's not like you see some old man and his like nose is now over his bottom lip or anything like that. But like mm. your balls and your boobs do, you know, do that over the like the passing of time and the amount of gravity that is affected on them. And I guess that's why older people shrink as well, right? It's just it's just gravity acting mm. on their body and compacting their body over the period of their life. It's basically just old men How? being dragged down by their heavy nutsacks. That's what. That's why old people are shorter and hunched over. Mate, you've just <laughs> got to get rid of some of that ball weight. If you get to age 70 and just lop those off, you'll be standing up straight. Everything will be fine. Podcast, Mike, can you Google, like, what does the average set of adult male testicles weigh? weigh? Good. Because I, I want to visualize. I, I can't quite comprehend what one-fifth would feel like oh sorry one yeah one fifth so what is are, are we talking just balls or bull and scrotum like are we talking balls and balls and scrotum yeah so what is the average weight of a ball and it has and to be scrotum? everything what do you think it is yeah. just <laughs> off the top of your head if you had to guess nearest to the pin what is the average weight of your scrotum uh i would say like a hundred gram uh, just ball scrotum and contents like fluid or whatever yeah. i'd say like 100, 120 grams oh i'm gonna say like 350 grams well, all right, well, okay. I mean, not all of us are bloody strutting around six foot four. Like some of us, God gives us gifts in different areas, Will, and you boasting about your big balls. I would say 25 kilograms. I have a tumour. Uh, all right, here we go. We've got the answer up here. Uh, apparently, uh, one ounce, which is 28 grams. <laughs> Oh my, you and I should see doctors. <laughs> Clearly, we, we have gigantism of the balls and scrotum. <laughs> Is that what doctors are doing when they cut your testicles when you go to the doctor for an examination? They're just doing a bit of a Indiana Jones style, how much do these weigh? And if they're somewhere between 20 and 50 grams, everything's okay. It can't be 20. I don't believe that. No, I mean, light. I know that a lot of people are doubting doctors right now and I don't want to jump on. I don't want to be... Painted with the same brush as those people, but I'm sick of these lies about balls. Will that they are easily more than 28 grams? Can what's can you? Is it possible to Google what weighs 28 grams so we can compare? Is that like a pack of cigarettes? Is that like a bag of sand? What's 28 grams? Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. I, I like that. Okay, hang on. The average weight of a male scrotum on here at the moment. <laughs> so I'm going to read a little bit more, more about this. <laughs> A pack of cigarettes is 12 grams. So, so almost three. Three, three, or three two. packs of smokes. Two and a half. I don't think that's right. Oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah. No, maybe it is right. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, the testicles of the male gonads. The, okay, blah, blah, blah. Testicles or testes are oval-shaped organs located in the scrotum just behind the penis and right in front of the anus on male humans. So if you've got them anywhere but there, probably go and see a doctor. Each testis, did you know they were called testis? Um, well, yeah. Are you going to quiz me after, after this? You're not going to test us? No. Oh, boy. <laughs> I was suddenly like, maybe I should see how much of this is actually sunk in. <laughs> Each testis weighs... 0 0.35 to 0.5 of an ounce, uh, 10 to 15 grams. Um, they are typically two inches long, 1.2 inches wide. So five centimeters long, three centimeters wide, and 2.5 centimeters thick. 
and the yeah, they weigh about. What are they made of? Wow, yeah, thirty like grams. Gr- gristle or something. Okay, the scrotum. <laughs> uh, okay, what, what do testicles consist of? Okay, uh, testicles are a small, a series of small tubes or tubules. So. Yeah. Uh, like the Matrix, I imagine, yeah. just a whole bunch of different tubes that oh contain my God, Will, testosterone. They're making a Matrix Four. What if that's the big reveal? Is they're not actually in the Matrix? They're actually in the balls of some. They're just flying it's around like the a testicles. H- honey, I Shrunk the Kids crossover in yeah. in a space crossover, and they're just in. They're actually in Keanu Reeves' scrotum. <laughs> the entire Matrix is set in Keanu Reeves' scrotum. What do you call your balls, um, Zion? <laughs> um, all right. So, series of tubes or tubules that um, uh, contain testosterone and sperm-producing cells. Seminiferous tubules house germ cells, uh, the twenty-three chromosome cells that men replicate to produce sperm, right. and they are the site of sperm production. Yep. Uh, these tubules are tightly coiled within the testis and each yep. testis may contain up to 900 tubules. So you've got oh, 900 geez. tubules in one tubular balls. <laughs> uh, tubular balls. That my, that's my favorite prog rock band. I love tubular balls. <laughs> you love that album, Tubular Balls, right? <laughs> yeah. They did the sound the like the Exorcist, right? <laughs> There you go, some prog rock. I mean, I don't even know if it is prog rock. Mike Al, can you check if Tubular Bells is prog rock? <laughs> Otherwise, that joke is just a complete waste of time. You also just called podcast Mike, Mike Al. But the oh, tubules are almost... <laughs> I know I know we're talking about slot. balls, but I feel like a real dick. <laughs> okay, it is prog rock. It, well, I know something about music. How about that? All right, here we go. Uh, the typical testis contains uh, how many meters... Of seminiferous tubules. Oh. So each testicle has okay. how many meters of tubules wrapped right. in it? Okay, so I'm going to say like each tube, If so you said the balls are like five centimeters by three centimeters, right? So I'm going to take the longest length, yep. so five, five centimeters, and there's 900. So I'm going to say... Uh, uh, podcast Mike, can you Google what is 900 <laughs> times five centimeters? <laughs> uh, is it four meter, 4.5 meters? Yeah, point, 4.5 meters. Oh, no. It, uh, it, yeah. So, what are you saying? 4.5 meters? Yeah, of tubes <laughs> in each ball. Higher. Bullshit. <laughs> really? <laughs> now you are Larry MJ. Yeah. Um, higher. um, Six meters. Higher. Seven meters. If you keep guessing at this rate, we're never going to get to it higher. 20 meters. Higher. 50 meters. Higher. Bullshit. Uh, 100 meters. Like, again, even if you go up in in 50s at the moment, it's going to take too long. 500 meters. Higher. Oh, fuck off. A kilometer. 800 meters. Oh. 800 meters. In each ball? Tubes. No wonder you're feeling them if there's a fifth more <laughs> gravity. That's like... 
Mate, I've got 800 metres of tubes in my balls. How did the science the scientists count that? So he just sat there. I imagine he just sliced open the ball and with a pair of yeah. tweezers, he just slowly unweaves <laughs> yes, yes, that's, like 800 that's metres worth of tubing. And then pull, gets like, out a tape measure. Like someone trying to find a kink in a garden hose. Yeah. They just have to gradually... Untangle. He puts it on one of those little things you get at Bunnings and you just twirl it around and you get one guy to grab one end of it and just walk 800 metres away. Does it say um, why they're so sensitive? Um, Alright, let's see. Like what's the, what's the evolutionary um, design by that? Like why are they so fragile? I guess because they have to house the beginnings of life. You've got to keep them at like ideal temperatures. But I don't understand why they're so sensitive. So you protect them, I guess. So if you land in a planet with one-fifth stronger gravity. But you would think if they are that important, you'd protect them. Like the heart is in a rib cage. Yeah, put your you balls I mean? in your chest. But you can't you can't regulate temperature inside the chest. I think it's, well, it's more about... Well, then evolve the to be able to regulate temperature inside your chest. Um, all right. Science explains why it hurts so much. Oh, great. So this is from Pedestrian. Uh, I'm not going to do your survey, Pedestrian. I'm sorry about that. Uh, so, Pedestrian, it is written by Matt Soniak, uh, and this is from 2012, but it should still give us the answer, because the headline is, Science Explains Why It Hurts So Much to Get Hit in the Balls. Great. So, so, you know, this is the thing about this podcast, Charlie. We say you've got to go to the experts, you've got to go to the scientists, and there's been some scientists studying the important issues. Wow. 2012, what a great era where you oh, could waste way. your science degree doing research on why it hurts so much to get hit in the nuts rather than the actual pressing problems in our society. It's called the Adam Sandler Papers. More than any other bodily injury, getting hit in the testicles is probably what every man dreads most. Yep, okay. Uh, blah, blah, blah. What causes such inconceivable pain? Well, for starters, a shot to the balls is just like any other physical strike to the body. Because of nerves, it's going to hurt. Unlike most other parts of your body, though, your scrotum lacks protection in the form of bones, large muscle mass, and fat. The testes are just wee little glands, and they're going to absorb the whole force of the blow. Ha ha. All on their own. Joke's on you, Will, because I've got a fat, muscular <laughs> penis protecting my balls. How about this bone? And by bone, I mean my cock. Sir, I'm a scientist. Could you please leave this lab? Look at my fat, muscular, bone-filled penis. Mate, I just cracked a fat. It's right there, protecting my balls. Again, sir, this is a laboratory. You're not meant to be here. Um, all right, uh... Your groin has a ridiculously high number of sensory nerve endings. And su mm. as such generous innovation makes good and bad touches alike feel very noticeable. So the same thing okay. that is causing you pleasure when uh, there is a certain type of touch in that area is also causing you pain when there's a different type of touch. Yeah, the kind of thing that my mummy used to tell me would make Jesus cry. <laughs> that can also <laughs> bring pain. Um, and oh, oh, here we go. The pain doesn't just stay in the scrotum. It radiates through the groin and up the abdomen. Oh, that's why it feels like they're in your stomach. This is the work of a phenomenon known as referred pain, 
which is when a mm. sensation originating at one spot travels along a nerve route to other parts of the body and is perceived as happening there too. It's the same thing that's going on when you get an ice cream headache. So, mm. yeah, okay. So getting hit in the balls is the equivalent of getting an ice cream headache. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I once got kicked in the balls. Uh, Jimmer and I and a couple of friends, maybe it was you and Amy, I can't remember, but we'd just seen a movie and I'd left, I'd walked out of the cinema and I'd stopped in the hallway to tie up my shoe and Gemma, who'd had a couple of drinks during the movie, <laughs> came out, saw me crouched over my shoe tying my laces and so ran up to playfully like kick me in the bum, but she was wearing cowboy boots and she had this steel tip. So the flat of her foot hit me in the bum, but the tip like a little ballpoint hammer just went bink, like right on my nuts. And I remember like, it was that classic thing of the delayed where I'm like, did that just hit my, and then it felt, I honestly felt like someone had stuck their fist through the bottom of my, of my stomach and stuck it like up to the bottom of my chest. Like I've, I actually collapsed to the ground. It was like, as people were leaving the cinema, mind you, like walking around me, I'm like doubled up on the ground, like holding my balls. And so Gemma and whoever we were with like thought I was playing it up, but I was I was so sick, like I had to hold myself up against the wall. I thought I was going to vomit for like about a minute. <laughs> Very awkward dry, uh, cab ride home. Well, the great news is that you still managed to have a child after that. Yeah, I would have personally been bringing that up a lot during childbirth. When she was in mm. a whole bunch of pain, you'd be like, "Yeah, I remember when yeah. I was in a whole bunch of pain. In fact, it's a miracle we're actually having this fucking child, considering that you once." kicked me right in the baby maker with some steel-tipped cowboy boots, screamed yee-haw, and then lassoed yourself down the fucking corridor at the Hoyts. Uh, well, let's get to some mail. Okay, let's do it. If you want to send us a message, you can go to tofop.com. What's tofop.com, you ask? Well, that is our website. That's where you can find this podcast, but you can also find Two Guys, One Cup, which is kind of like this show us talking about AFL. It's a very exciting time because we're into the AFL finals. So Will and I are keenly observing the football. Well, not really. We're kind of watching games but then talking about stuff like we talk on TOEFOP, right? Well, yes, but your team won. Congratulations. We should mention that. And Thank I actually you. watched all four games of football on the weekend, which has doubled the amount of games I've watched this season. I hope it doesn't ruin the podcast. <laughs> And you can also find Willosophy, which is Will's uh, uh, show where he sits down with interesting, smart, and funny people and asks them about their life philosophy. Who's on this week, Will? My first ever guest on the show was a fellow by the name of Todd Sampson, uh, who is one of the most interesting people going around. And a lot of what the podcast became was because of that interview and where it went. And I've had him back. So nearly seven years later, in, in the exact same place where we, we recorded that first episode, Todd and I back together. And it's another incredibly revealing episode of the podcast. Todd is just, you know, has a very interesting perspective on life. And there is a few revelations in there that I think will really surprise people. Oh, there's a new faux fop too with Dave Anthony, because it turns out that essentially the Dave Anthony episodes of faux fop now are just like episode recaps of this final series of America. So just when <laughs> something really good's happened in the plot, I get him back for another episode recap. So the episode recap around the Trump gets COVID episode is one of my favorite America recaps we've been doing. And while you're at the website, you can sail up, uh, sail up, sign up. You can sail up and then sign up to our mailing list. Um, and that means every Friday you'll get a newsletter from us, which just sort of brings you up to speed on all the podcasts around and also lets you know when we're having special events coming up like 
Uh, we're doing a two guys, one cup grand final show, a virtual show on Zoom, because obviously uh, uh, normally we do it in Melbourne and that's not happening this year. So you can go to trybooking.com for the two guys, one cup junk time grand final show. But also as we do more and more stuff like that, you'll get first notice of it. So sign up at the mailing list. And then also, lastly, you can send us a message like these great people. There's a drag down contact menu at the bottom of the screen. You choose which podcast you want to send it to. And in this case, Maria sent this to Tofop. She says, episode 310, chiropractics. My Maybe chiropractic is how it's said in Australia, but every time you said chiropractic and chiropractory instead of chiropractics, I was grinding my teeth. Haha. <laughs> also, Charlie talked about having worn a, a back brace for a short time due to scoliosis and how the treatment was stopped because it never worked to straighten out his spine. The back brace isn't intended to straighten out the spine. Its job is to stop the curvature from worsening. So I would expect that your brace was removed because your spine curvature was stopped advancing. Well, that's a good bit of information. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mean, I didn't think that it was meant to straighten my scoliosis. I just thought it was meant to straighten me up generally because uh, I had a bit of a hunch. Um, also, uh, my daughter had to have a back brace, a back brace starting at age eight. They tried a few types of back braces, but there was no stopping the curve from worsening. When she was 12, the curve had reached uh, 50, de- 50 degrees, which is when oh, surgery uh, began, where surgery's plans, when surgery was planned. The procedure was delayed due to a rare clotting disorder and they discovered, thankfully before surgery, and had to find a treatment for it. By the time they were able to reschedule the procedure, her curve was over 70 degrees. Her spine was fused with bone from her hip and she now has a metal rods running through the full length either side of her spine. This is how spines are straightened and not with a brace. They were only able to get her curve reduced to 37 degrees, but you'd never know she has scoliosis unless you saw her bare back with the scars and one shoulder blade that sits slightly different from the other. And she went through recovery taking nothing stronger than an 800 milligram ibuprofen. She's so much tougher than I ever will be. Love you guys, Maria in California. Well, yeah, she sounds super tough. There's no way I could go through that. I'd be complaining every single day of my life. Oh, mate, I'd be taking the drugs. That's the bit that I look forward to. I'm not going to say no to any of the drugs. You uh, hang on. You're going to give me one of those things that I can just push when I'm in pain and it'll inject drugs into me. (laughs) Okay. You know what? I just got the hips done, but let's do them again. Uh, Nina writes in, uh, the subject is hotel hobbies to Colin Fop, long time listener, first time writer. I love the podcast, but I can see why you advise new listeners to go backwards. While I'm not a doctor, I am a nurse and I got a job in Western Australia, remote area nursing. Well, as we always say, it's not just doctors. I mean, if there is a hierarchy, sure, doctors are at the top, but it's, it's all medical professionals, right, Will? I view all medical professionals equally doctors get a special shout out just because there are so many doctors but no nurses emergency service workers of any kind you all count you're all doctors in my world chiropractors not doctors no no where do they they fit in the uh, medical professional somewhere between doctors and actual chickens uh I am from Melbourne, and because Western Australia thinks Victorians are the devil, I have to do the state-run quarantine for two weeks before heading to my remote area. I'll be escorted off my plane by Border Force personnel and taken to a hotel, which they won't give me the name of until we arrive at the door. Any recommendations for what I can do in the confines of my hotel room in 14 days? Uh, well, I can think of something. Will I? 
I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what are you what what are you talking about? Well, honestly, that would probably get me through the first three days, but then I would need to take a break. So I'm like, I've just weighed my balls this morning and they're like two grams. It's like a puff of, puff of dust came out. It was like one of those novelty guns. I had to get I had to get Gemma to kick my balls from behind with a cowboy boot just to get a puff of dust out. I'm done. What is the first thing you would do out of quarantine? Oh, okay, so firstly, serious, what do you do in 14 days of quarantine? I would... Um, uh, as hinted at earlier, I would get a lot of a lot of reading done. I would take the opportunity. I'd see if I could challenge myself to do the first week without going on looking at one of my devices. I'd just try and read. Quite like that idea, just reading. But if I was going to watch something, um, The Sopranos oh, yeah. is one of those shows that I've always just needed to sit down and watch it all in one go. And if I had 14 days, I could easily watch The Sopranos in 14 days. And I would enjoy that, I think. What's the first thing you'd do out of quarantine? Um, I can think of one thing. We'll, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> they literally open the door and I'm already masturbating <laughs> right in the hallway. When we say, yeah, you should start at the new episodes and, you know, stop when you feel uncomfortable. Sometimes you should skip some of the new episodes too that are entirely de devoted to testicle talk. Uh, by this stage, I will have been in varying degrees of lockdown and think over uh, by, I think, for over two months. Oh, my God. Also, by now, the South Park pandemic special will have aired. If you have watched it, what did you think? Cheers, Nina. Looking forward to watching it, but I have not seen it yet. Well, maybe we should both watch it and then we can talk about it next yeah. week. Uh, this next email is from Luke, who says... Oh, yeah, I remember this email. I've read ahead on this one. So... Um, Okay, his name's Luke. I don't, think, I don't think that's giving away too much. Hey guys, I'm a TV editor who sometimes works for Warner Brothers in Australia. Part of that means I have access to the internal Warner Brothers library, which is like a world of Netflix stand for Warner Brothers employees. On the app, you can watch the new Bill and Ted film. If you're keen, let me know. I'll flick you my login details and you can watch it without leaving your house. Luke. Now, he sent that to our... He didn't say, do not read this out on air. Like, we're not getting him in trouble, are we? Do we have to bleep his name? Oh. Well, firstly, yeah, do you want do you want it? <laughs> do you want me to send you the link? I've seen Bill and Ted's. I absolutely want to see Bill and Ted's. I wanted to go and see it at the movies. I had did make plans to go and see it at the movies, but the plans fell through. So um, I was going to go to a cinema uh, in Lismore, which apparently if you go like midweek, like Wednesday or Thursday at the moment, you'll be the only people in the cinema. And so right. I was like, that that's probably the best way to go and uh, go and watch it. But um, I don't think that's going to happen now. So yes, I would like the link from you or Luke or whoever <laughs> wants to send me the link to how I can watch Bill and Ted's. All right, I'll forward that on after we're done. And uh, finally, this is from Roy. Um, now, I don't know that Roy uh, has personally addressed this to us. I think this might be a group mail, but let me just uh, read it to you. Subject is, hi, do you accept guess with no T, guess slash sponsored posts from niche experts? Well, firstly, we do accept guest posts where you have to guess who the post is by and what the post is about. But guest posts, not so much. Hi, my name is Roy. I own a news website. Oh, yeah, okay. Roy Murdoch. <laughs> Hope you're doing well and you're maintaining total isolation during the global pandemic. Oh, you don't know my life, Roy. I'm in a place where I don't have to have total isolation. I wanted to ask, do you accept sponsored articles or link placements in the existing articles on your website? If you do, what are your rates? 
Now, as far as I know, with the redesign of TOEFOP.com, we don't have existing articles on our website. So obviously we've got to offer Roy an exclusive deal because he's a media <laughs> mogul whose business plan is paying podcasts to host his news and information on their websites. Does Roy give any examples of what this information or these guest posts might be? Because no. it would affect the price that I was going to quote Roy. Because if it's just like normal news stuff, we might be able to come to an arrangement. But if it's like QAnon or like, you know, some sort of, you know, white supremacy, Proud Boys propaganda, then we're going to have to hike up the price a little. <laughs> so not like, just not put it up. Just make sure they pay for it. Right. Well, we just, I mean, because in that way, what we would actually be doing is robbing white supremacy organisations of the money that otherwise would have been spent on their white supremacy. And that we'll just be putting it on our website where... You know, like we don't even have to put it on the front page. We can just bury it somewhere on the website, surely. Okay. Now, normally we don't give last names, but I feel like it's important in this uh, uh, in this instance. So, the name is Roy Emerson, the name of the emailer. And I've just quickly Googled Roy Emerson. And apparently, the only... The f- famous tennis player? Tennis player. Yeah. No. <laughs> is he... Uh, but he... Uh, is he still... He's still alive? Could he be 83 years old? Do you reckon Roy Emerson owns a media empire? <laughs> or a small... What does he say? Uh, he owns a media... I know, no, I own a news website. My name is Roy. I own a news website. Well, I guess Roy Emerson, like who was a champion tennis player, not, not, not in an era necessarily where they made millions and billions of dollars, but in an era where he was a champion. So maybe he, he got a little bit of money. He put it aside. He did some public speaking. He got some, you know, board advisory roles and these sort of things based on the fact that he was a champion tennis player. Put yeah. aside a little nest egg and at 83 is looking for a new challenge. Like he's a guy who, you know, obviously, you know, traveled the world playing sport at the highest level. He's trying to replace those thrills in his life. So he started some website where he's like, wouldn't it be great if it, that's his, like his dying thing that he wants to do is re, like just get people's trust in news back. And it's actually just like a really legitimate oh. news source and he's just trying to go to the people. Yeah, see, my mind immediately went to Margaret Court. Like he's got some grandpa conspiracy theories from Facebook. He's got some Facebook memes he wants to share about who's who's a, who's a secret Muslim and who's not. Yeah, but that's why I think he's gone the opposite way. He's trying to redeem the name of tennis from Margaret Court. Right. He's like, I'm going to use my powers for good and not for evil. I'm Roy Emerson. I'm going to contact some minorly successful podcasts and see if they can host my news on their website. Yeah, why didn't you go to Rogan? He's got like 200 million downloads a month. It's hard to get in though, man. Like we're, we're gettable. Rogan's not gettable <laughs> for Roy Emerson, but we're gettable. You've got to start in some qualifier tournaments. You've got to beat some, you know, you've got to tune your game up on some 300 seats. You know, they don't get, they don't get to play Rogan until the semis. That's the way the draw works. Uh, we've only got two more emails. So uh, let's just quickly get okay, through those and we'll wrap it up. Um, so this is from Ryan. Hi guys, uh, look, I tried to be a writer and a working musician, and while I still enjoy my creative pursuits, the retail game just wasn't paying the bills. After climbing the ladder, I found my true calling. Much like Charlie's dream of working outside, I'm a postie, and everything and it's everything I've dreamed it could be. Flexible hours and a tiny motorbike and time to think. Ah, cheers, Ryan. I often uh, wonder if that would be a good occupation. I, I see the postman going around my neighborhood, and, I, and for the at least two of the reasons he just described. 
I thought, yeah, being a postman must be good. They seem to have like good relationships with all the local cafe owners and stuff. And, you know, they'll do their rounds and then they'll sit down and have a coffee and they know some people's names. And it's like, it's, it's like a Sesame Street type vibe around my neighborhood. A good mate of mine at uni had a part-time job that I filled in for, for a little while that on reflection, I think would be a really good job for that. It was being a meter reader, like, a, you know, like when you read people's meters at their homes. And so literally the entire job was just walking from place to place. So you just walk during the day, you, mm. you can listen to music or whatever, you know, so you could listen to your podcast, you could think, and you just go down the side of someone's house, you write down, you're not even like a postie where you're carrying valuable cargo or anything. You've got like a clipboard, or I imagine these days it'd just be all on your computer or your phone or whatever, and you read the meter and then you just go to the next house. It was quite a peaceful way to make a living i did deliver newspapers for about two weeks the, lo the local newspaper when i was growing up but i don't know there's something about it was uh i think i had issues with how to carry the newspapers around because you remember it was the old like saddlebags you put on the back of your bicycle i had like you know a little pocket on either side and you'd fill <laughs> but it was really only enough to kind of get up and down a couple of streets and then you'd have to go yeah. back and refill and i was like this sucks <laughs> like in my mind I was going to be like in ET, just like flying around the neighborhood, flinging them out of my BMX or whatever. But then in reality, it's like, no, no. And, you know, Adam Spencer would love this. You know, it's heavy when you put lots of, uh, it's like, it's as heavy as your testicles on a foreign planet when you fill your bike with newspapers. Hard to get around. It's hard to pedal. I didn't like it at all. Uh, finally, this is from Sebastian, who says, uh, Mark Wahlberg and Kanye West. Did you guys know that Mark Wahlberg went to prison for 45 days for attempted murder? Makes you yes. think, doesn't it? Yes, I did know that. Makes me think that he's a terrible person and I've never really liked anything he's done because of that. Anyway, the point of this email is that I met Kanye West the other day. I live in Maryland and there's been some rumors of him moving to town in a town next to mine for quite a bit, which I thought was cool, but I didn't really pay much attention to it. There's a small airport near my house that I work at, and my job is basically just to pull the, pull the planes in when they land. So a private jet lands one day, and I'm just doing my thing, when out of this jet comes Kanye West. He walks over to me, and he says, Hey, man, these are for you, and hands me a plastic box of store-bought raspberries. Store-brand store raspberries. Overall, a cool guy, but the raspberries were pretty shit. <laughs> anyway, not to get too political, but Kanye 2020. He's the only person who's running that's affected my life in a good way. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, but it does indicate that if Trump pulled up, because that's where he was in hospital, Maryland, right? Yeah. Um, so if Trump, for example, had given this guy a box of, you know, Whole, Food, Whole Foods brand raspberries, he would immediately have his vote just based on that. Yeah, what's about, what's about uh, how does this person influence my life? If I vote for this person, how have they influenced my life? Pretty shit raspberries. <laughs> that's what it feels like you got your options are at an election, doesn't it? Right. Well, Pretty maybe that's what, what Kanye's banana. whole thing is. He goes like, I could get him good raspberries, but I'm banking on the fact that everybody else is getting him no raspberries and my <laughs> shitty raspberries will be enough. All right, that's it for this week. Um, so thank you for listening and thanks to everyone who's supporting us. If you want to do that, you go there, you go to patreon.com slash tofop. And uh, not only are you supporting us by signing up for any amount that you can spare on a monthly basis, but you're also getting access to heaps of great bonus content. Um, every couple of weeks, we do a bonus episode of Tofop where we answer your letters exclusive 
to Patreon listeners, but there's also a bunch of comic strips and some behind the scenes videos and some little animations and lots of great stuff. So if you like this show and you think you want to support us and you're also interested in bonus content, go to patreon.com slash tofop. Uh, but for now, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's up to you.